Hey, David, how long did we go over time last one? We, we went a very long time over. It's okay. No, actually, we didn't. We, we stayed under time because we, we had the, the game at first. We really stayed under time? Yeah. Okay, well, I just realized last episode that I forgot to set a timer, so I'm going to try this. Hey, Siri, set a timer for 30 minutes. It's not going to do it. Okay. <laughs> this is free wine and unleavened bread. How's everybody doing? <laughs> doing great. We didn't actually, like, do any catching up on the last episode. Mm-hmm. We just kind of went didn't. straight into we the game. We didn't even introduce ourselves. Yeah. Who are we? What are, what are we about? I am Dalton Long. <laughs> Literally 10 minutes ago. You did so good with the, <laughs> the intro, Dalton. <laughs> and to my left is Corianne Thorpe. Hey, guys. Also known as Coriander. Yeah, yeah, Because she's spicy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> true. We got, Bringing the heat. We got Wit Wit Whittle in hey. her milk white shirt. <laughs> and we got David Lee Overstreet. The middle name, bro. <laughs> His name, his dad's name is also Lee. Yeah. And his dad made us this new table yeah. for the podcast. It's pretty yeah, great. Man. It's awesome. It's pretty great. Ultimate install. I like screwed in one nail and I felt pretty official. So. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Yeah. You guys should have seen that me try exciting. and mount my TV in my, in my room. It was pretty sad, but it's up there. I don't know how long it's going to stay up there, but <laughs> for now. It's good. It's holding together. <laughs> he told me like the the long story, the director's cut of yeah. how he put up the the, the mounted TV, and uh, it was very entertaining. I it, laughed a lot. It's so funny how different my dad and I are. Like he's like very like, you know, like a handyman. Yeah, he's handyman. Very and I just I like FaceTime him. I'm like, is this the right socket for this wrench? <laughs> for this he's like, wrench. it's actually not even. Cl- it's not the right wrench. You at need one point, wrench. <laughs> at one point, he was using a concrete drill. For the wooden studs. Yeah. Which is apparently really bad. But I thought concrete was harder than wood, so it would work just as well, if not better. Okay? <laughs> but whatever. I whatever. said concrete drill, but I meant drill bit. Yeah. yeah. Drill bit. Drill bit. Well, mm. this is free wine and none of bread. Pretty sure we've already said that. Yeah, go check out our socials, guys. Yeah. We, Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube. Dalton and I have a new video on there. We do. It's, uh, yeah, it's reacting a- to some BuzzFeed, <laughs> BuzzFeed things. Literally, it was written by some like stay-at-home moms. Yeah, you know, just always have a chai tea in their yep. hand. Yep, cusp millennials, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. What are you doing, Whitney? <laughs> she just wants to see the purple light grow up. <laughs> well, today we are talking about why Christianity. The gospel is for the marginalized, not to be confused with margarine. <laughs> what if the gospel was for margarine? Oh. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, you spread the gospel, you spread margarine. No. Oh, like, True. I don't know. I'm just pulling things There's out the of connection. the air. Yeah, uh, yeah. we're talking about the gospel is for the marginalized. If you didn't catch our most recent episode, um, A Hope That Endures, I strongly encourage that you go listen to it, where we talk about uh, persecution in the church um, and the gospel that prevails. But today, um, we're talking about the gospel going to those who society kind of turns their back to at times. Um, I wanted to read you this verse. It's Galatians 3.28. Uh, It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all in Christ, one in Christ Jesus. Um, And the point that Paul is making here to the Galatians is that there really shouldn't be any division 
between you guys. You should all have the common ground that you are one in Christ, that you are um, that you have received grace beyond measure, and that you have a hope, a common hope, to strive toward. Um, and you shouldn't let things, petty things like gender identity or um, national or ethnic identity come in between you. You should let Christ bind you. Um, and so that's kind of what we want to touch on a little bit today. Um, so kind of jumping on in, the first question is, uh, Christianity is often accused of feeding into patriarchal society. But what in church history would suggest that the opposite is true? Think Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., uh, success of the gospel despite colonization. So are you talking like specifically between like how it's it's mainly kind of like a man leads, woman follows type yeah. thing in the early church? Like when you say patriarchy, yeah, that's we, we, pretty um, much what that is, right? Yeah, so we, we can talk about uh, that. We can also talk about um, how really when I said patriarchy, I was thinking about how it's often accused of being like the white man's religion. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that like, I was reading up, I was reading an article on colonization in Ireland and in Switzerland back in, I don't remember the dates, but basically it was not a good time for, uh, the natives there. And, but however, the gospel still prevailed in those areas and, um, there's a lot of people who are like, wow, you took the, col- the the colonizer's religion. There's a lot of kind of beef there. But the gospel still prevails. The gospel still um, is, is it, it's still for everybody, even though humanity has sort of trampled all over it <clears throat> in certain times. I think it's just how we do it that really it diversifies it for everybody. Like, it... I think it's very multiversatile and multicultural. Like, I mean, it just, it's expressed in different ways. Like, I mean, there are hymns that, you know, are, are sung in some churches and then at other churches they're, they're not sung. So it's like, I, I just think it's, it's how you approach it that makes it a different experience for everybody. I don't think it's necessarily one group's religion. It's just the way it's been approached is different. And so that's kind of where, that's where the division happens. We talked about last episode. And I think now we've made a lot of strides in the right direction. Yeah. Um, As far as like including people from all walks of life, you know, um, just people who are sharing testimonies, like, and you don't, like, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you can't get up and share your testimony or can't speak. Like, it's... You know, I t- I, we've made strides in the right direction, I feel like, yeah. when it comes to that. so I think it's a constant, like, ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Like, just depending on culture, depending on the era and what's going on in society and stuff. And um, But I, I really did want to highlight some big moments in Christianity's history that was not the result of the white man. Um, so you think Mother Teresa. She was uh, a Catholic nun. And she um, pretty much, I think it was orphanages that she 
put together. And I mean, she did back breaking work doing this kind of stuff. And it was, it was all for a good cause. And it was, it was creating hope for children and for orphans. And, um, and that's the result of a woman, a Christian woman, uh, who knew the gospel, who knew God, who loved God and was spirit filled. And, um, saw an opportunity to glorify God and did it. Um, Martin Luther King Jr., he's another one. Like, he uh, was consistently using Scripture in his speeches. Um, And the whole basis was that we're all equal because we're all the image of God. Um, We've already talked about the colonization stuff as well. Um, I know another good example is Corey Tin Boone. Mm-hmm. Like in, I think that was in, was she in Poland or was it, but it was during, you know, World War Two. Yeah. And so she helped a lot of the Jews and it was all based on Christianity and based on, you know, God's love and. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, just kind of touching, touching base on that, highlighting those things. Um, uh, the next kind of topic that I wanted to bring up is Jesus promises prosperity of the oppressed though they may suffer for a little while, and he came for the sick rather than the healthy. What implications does this have for all people groups? Uh, think slavery. Um, think sin, like slavery to sin. Think trials and tribulations, religion, and prideful hearts. And also think falling phones. <laughs> I think the biggest thing that rings for this is that there's no place so far that God will not come to you. Like it is for you. Like there is no one that the gospel is not for. There's no one that Jesus is not for. Like there's no depth that you can sink to that he is not going to reach you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it helps. It helps to think about it in that, in those terms, like the gospel reaches you in a unique way that it doesn't reach anyone else. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like everyone's experience with the gospel is so different. Yeah. Um, now they're the same principles and it's the same word, but we all encounter it differently. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another thing that I thought about bringing up was, uh, so back in times of U.S. slavery, um, slave owners would actually give them, give their slaves an edited New Testament. And what they would do is they would take out anything that would give them any sort of idea that slavery was not okay and that they had a place in freedom because of God. Like they took out the Exodus, they took out, um, other stuff. I I don't remember the specifics, but basically that's what they did. But still the gospel prevailed. The gospel still got to, uh, the slaves. And honestly, we have so many things to thank, um, the slaves for, back when, you know, they were in that time of suffering because they provided some beautiful gospel music that got them through all of that. Let's call it persecution that got them through that. Um, you think Wade in the water, mm-hmm. that song. Um, and then there's others and it just, it, it amazes me that, the gospel always comes from unexpected places. 
like it it it, ne- it always exceeds your expectations and it always surprises you mm. with how it pops back up and how it prevails and how it I keep saying that word a lot but um that's just the, that's the kind of stuff that I really want to highlight with this episode um did you guys uh have any more implications for how prosperity for the oppressed and how um, Jesus came from for the sick and not the healthy and what that kind of implies for all people. <laughs> you look ready to say something. That's why we're looking at you. <laughs> okay. I was like, this is, yeah, everybody just like looked over at me at one time. Um, but basically there's not one time in scripture that somebody comes to Jesus and he says, I'm sorry, it's not my father's will to heal you. You know, like you, you aren't included in what I pay, I'm paying a price to give. There's not one time that's implicated at all. Every single time somebody came to Jesus to be healed, he, he asked a thought provoking question that honestly could have invited offense. They could have been offended and been like, why aren't you the, you know, they could have been like, aren't you the son of God? Aren't you supposed to, they didn't do that. They're like, like, I, I know what authority looks like. Mm -hmm. And it, that one guy, um, was it the, the soldier? that was over people. And he said, I have people and I tell them to go do this and to go do that. And by my word, they do it. So you don't even have to come to my house, but if you say it, it'll be done. Yeah. And so he would always ask the question, like, what would you like me to do for you basically? And they would be like, I want to be healed. Um, you kind of quoted it last episode, but I just really like this because I think it fits people that think that they're not, it fits people that think that they're not enough people that want relationship with God, but that just seems too hard for them, or they just don't fit the criteria that other people put on it. Um, but you quoted it kind of last episode. It's First Peter 4. It says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you were insulted for the name of Christ, you were blessed because the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Mm. And so it, and there's also, um, there's a song that, that shares that lyric, but it's like, if we join him in his sufferings, we'll join him when he rises again. And Jesus went to the people that w- it was offensive to people that were religious. He went to the tax collectors. He went to, to the, he spoke with the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. That's something that's not popular. He went to the people that other people overlooked because they were too good or too righteous for. And those are the people that he sought out and included in this. Um, another one that I really love is in John 14. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in also in me. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have um, told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I'm going. And so I I really love that verse. It just talks about he's prepared the place for us and he doesn't name a specific us. It's all of us. Mm -hmm. It's always all of us. And he prepared a place and there's many rooms. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. And so whenever I look at the church here and I see the different denominations, I understand how they've kind of picked and and chosen focused on a certain thing. But I just think of it as all one house, but there's so many rooms and him, us being included in that. Um, But anyway, back to the point of the question, he sought out the people that everybody else overlooked. 
And yeah. he was like, what you do to the least of these, you do to me also. Yeah. So. Absolutely. The long standing tradition holds that the Jews actually prayed a prayer that goes, uh, Lord, we thank you that we are not a woman, that we are not a slave, and that we are not a Gentile. They would pray that pretty consistently, the, the Jewish men would. Um, and I think it's interesting that we have a place in Acts where that is completely turned on its head. Uh, so if we look at Acts 16, we see first that um, Paul and Silas, this is at a point where Barnabas had split off and gone with John Mark. Um, Paul and Silas, they, uh, they've been in this city, and I, don't, I think that there weren't enough Jews for there to be a synagogue there. And so they went to the riverside where they uh, assumed that, that there would be prayer going on. So they went down to the to the riverside and they found this group of women, um, and one of the women's names was Lydia, and Lydia uh, was like a self made woman. Like she she was not married, but she was selling very expensive uh, goods. Basically, the the color purple was very expensive and hard to come by back then. Um, and so she was like a self made woman, and she it says that she was a believer in God. Um. Well, Paul decides to, you know, really chat with her and to kind of reason with her on why uh, Christ is the Savior and all this stuff. But he doesn't, like, it. the way that it's written is it's, it suggests that she doesn't know enough like that like the Jews would. So he doesn't go into, like, the Old Testament theology or anything like that. He just reasons with her uh, why she would need a Savior and why God would send his son. Um and then shortly after that, he's going through the city again, and there's this little girl, the slave girl. We mentioned her last episode. Uh, she's following him around, and basically the demon inside of her is shouting, um, these men are from the Lord, and they've come to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And normally you'd think that's like a good thing, but apparently this demon would not shut up for days. Like, just kept doing it wherever they were going. And if you think about it, that might be kind of like, um, what's the word? Uh, counterintuitive. <laughs> because, like, if you've got, I mean, if you walk into a room where you want to, like, try and, you know, have a voice, and then somebody comes in behind you, like a, like a parade or something, and it's just like, hey, this is what this guy's doing, and you should listen to him. People aren't going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Like, um but so eventually Paul got so annoyed with this that this is when he cast out the demon. Um, and then because of that, he ends up in jail, um, ends up in prison. And we saw that like he was singing and praising God in the midst of that. And then God sends an earthquake and the jail kind of breaks open. Um, now, back in those days, it was considered honorable for a soldier if he, like, has a big mishap and loses a bunch of, any like, prisoners or something like that, that they would kill themselves instead of their commander ordering that they be killed for their mistake. Uh, and so this soldier is literally about to just fall on his own sword uh, for an honorable death. But that's when Paul is like, hey, stop, don't do that, we're still here. Um, and so... Paul meets this jailer at this point where he's pretty much given up hope. Like he, he knows he's not going to survive. 
um, this mistake that has gone on, even though it's really not like it's a natural disaster. He had no control over that. But, um, yeah, so Paul is there for him, and this time in need, and he's like, hey, we're here, and he encourages him. And that's when the jailer's like, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, believe in Jesus Christ, um, and you will be saved, you and your household. And so the point of me bringing all that up is that the jailer was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile, and the gospel was for him. The slave girl, she was a slave, and she was probably not Jewish, and the gospel was for her. Lydia was a woman, and the gospel was for her. And so I just think it's amazing that the Holy Spirit found it necessary to include that in the movement of the church and the movement in the acts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah I think um, kind of deviating a little bit from what you're saying, but kind of on the same lines. Um, like we, t- we talked about the people who are, um, who don't think that they're enough. I mean, who don't think that the gospel could be for them because they don't feel like they're enough. I feel like mm-hmm. that though is kind of protected by this wall of pride, right? Where you have to be very careful how you come at somebody with, with Jesus and with, you know, all of this. And, you know, in, that situation, um, I'm sure the uh, the earthquake helped <laughs> him consider his decision, and you know it changed his life. And God did something through that. Um, today, it's like we don't go around seeing earthquakes. You know what I mean? Like there's there's got to be some kind of an impact that we have to make um, on somebody's life that will really get them to break down the walls. Mm-hmm. Because it's so much about, like, if you come at it at the, from this very condescending way, like you'd mentioned the prayer that, that, the, that the Jews prayed. It's very condescending, like, mm-hmm. only we, the, only the gospel's like, for us. We like, are superior and right. everyone else is inferior. Exactly. And I think that that's a huge thing to, to break down those walls. Because <laughs> Girl, that phone is trying to do the most. Um I think that people people are scared to change and to to explore so they hide behind this wall of pride and like who are you to tell me this you're doing this mm-hmm. you know what i mean and so i think what is the bridge like to to those people to to break down that wall and to get to the point where they're like okay i need something and i'm open to to listening and i'm opening my heart so, like, how, how do we open those – how do we get people to open those doors? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that because um, it's actually one point that I was kind of getting to is um, – so, Paul, he uses three different sort of avenues for the gospel with these three different people. With Lydia, she's a self-made woman. She might not be a theologian, but he's able to reason with her and get her to see that she needs Christ. Uh, for the slave girl, she was demonized. Um, and so this took more miraculous effort, uh, than sort of like, you know, words or, you know, lofty preaching. Um, and we don't, there's not really much in scripture to suggest that she was converted, but I mean, if you're demonized at one point and the next you're not, you might be pretty open to the gospel. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the third with the jailer, 
he literally just encouraged the dude. Like he said, Hey, we're here. There's nothing to worry about. And so the, when I was talking to my pastor about this, um, he made the point that like, this is where you just let somebody know that you're there and it might not lead to a conversion right there at the moment, but people need to know that there's somebody there that has their back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when, I mean that, when you do that for somebody, it opens the avenue for conversation later on down the road. Um, and it plants seeds because like we were saying last episode, we're constantly on witness. Yeah. And so people watch how we react to things. And so, um, I don't think there is like a, a, a specific formula for sharing the gospel with somebody. Mm-hmm. It really just takes being available, being obedient and, um, and, just being prepared. And I think too, on that note is like, like you kind of said is being and it, it should be individualized to every, you know, every person is going to accept the gospel in a different way. Yeah. And so you can't just make it the same to whoever you're talking to. Some people need a direct, like, this is this, like, accept yeah. Jesus. Other people need it more like a relationship style where you just let them know that you're there. Yeah. Like you were saying. Also, I don't think that a testimony is like, I think you need to have a story about how you came to God. But it doesn't need to be this, like, moving, elaborate, three-act story about about God. When I mean, when I auditioned for worship band, one of the first things he asked me was, like, what's your testimony? And I was honest with him. I was like, man, like, I grew up kind of in a different world, and I've just now started to really experience Christ in my life, and I don't have this big moving piece. And he's just like, that's all I need to know. You know, like you're, you're honest and that's like, you don't have to have that to share it with people, you know, like, and sometimes I feel like people feel like that's what needs to happen. And some people connect with that a little better and people that have been through that can obviously communicate it better. But I mean, there's, there is a unique way for everyone to share the gospel with somebody. Absolutely. And I mean, I remember when I was talking to somebody who kind of has a similar story, she grew up in a Christian home never really acted out, never went her own way or anything like that. Uh, Her parents never got divorced or anything like that either. She had a pretty great life growing up. um, And she was insecure that she didn't really have a big testimony kind of story. And I told her, your life is a testimony to God's grace when it actually, like when it's actually accepted and works the way it should Mm -hmm. in in a person's life. Because your parents are still together. They raised you. Uh, to believe in Christ and they they gave you a gospel centered life and that's that's why your life looks the way it does. Yeah. It's also not like for lack of a better term, it's not like a competition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people like I don't think people with those kinds of like amazing immaculate testimonies think that they're better or think that they like somehow deserve to see Christ more. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they think that at all. So I think some people will think that unless I have this this, you know, immaculate testimony about God, maybe I don't really have a relationship with him. Maybe that's what I need. Yeah. Or that your story can't move somebody else. Right. Because even though like you may think that my story isn't like super elaborate. Yeah. I can still connect with a certain kind of person. Um, so the, the point of this episode is really to, um, you know, battle that mindset that Christianity is just a, a white man's religion. 
um, or that it's patriarchal. Um, now, I think there's clear evidence that there has been patriarchy in the Old Testament and in Christianity. Um, but there's also clear evidence that that was not God's will and that he was constantly on the move to change that. Um, and so, you know, we have that example from Acts for one ex- for one instance to kind of show us that. But there are, there are other instances uh, where we see that. And I think Whitney has something to share. Yeah, I was just going to share the story because it, it fits with this. But um, it's about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, but it's in Luke 18, 9. It says, he also told this parable some, to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. He said, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. For I fast twice a week. I give tithes with all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but be, uh, beat on his breast saying, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus continued and he said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And so I love that Jesus made it a point to share that with them about the people that brag about their faithfulness yeah. over bragging about God's faithfulness yeah. and the, the person that's saying, God, I'm not right with you. That person is the person that God exalts. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that, that brings me, uh, to the last uh, part of the episode uh, where um, we've talked about the marginalized, but then we also have Paul to look at as well. Paul was very, he was the Jewish man and he was very learned. He was learned. That's a word, right? Learned. Yeah. Yeah. He was just very like well-trained, like very well-trained one of the religious leaders. Um, Is it, he was, he was like the elite basically. Yeah. Um, He had a lot to brag about. He had a lot of pedigree. Um, but when he came to Christ and he realized how much grace he needed, he became like the least of these. Yeah. Um, and he talks about it in Philippians where, uh, this is Philippians three, two. Um, actually I'm just going to start at verse one. Finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evil evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself may have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone has, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised. I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as, a, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from from the dead. And... This is why I wanted to include Paul in this episode as like a prime example. Um, 
Jesus says to his disciples that if any of you seeks to be the best, you must be the least. If any of you seeks to lead, you have to lead from the back, sort of. Uh, Another way to put it is the first will be last and the last will be first, just as Whitney just quoted a second ago. Uh, And so my advice to those who do live in prosperity and not in oppression, no matter what the color of your skin is, no matter your ethnic background or your national background, if God has given you blessings in this life, those blessings are not for you. They're for you to share with those who are not as fortunate. Yep. And um, we have the prime example in Jesus Christ because Jesus um, considered himself not, he did not consider his equality with God to be something that was marveled. He humbled himself and came down here so that he could be the least of these. And so that he could show us how we're meant to live our lives. Um, so with that, just want to leave you guys with some encouragement that the gospel is for you no matter who you are. No matter what you've done. No matter what your cultural or societal background is. Gospel is for you. And there is a hope that endures if you're willing to submit to it. This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. And we will see you next week with Why Christianity, a community in a divided world.